Welcome to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast hosted by Becky Dameron. Becky was saved at a young age and reared in a Christian home. At an early age, she sought for a special relationship, Jesus Christ. As her love for Jesus grew, so did her love for His Word. Becky has enjoyed leading ladies' Bible studies, speaking at ladies' conferences, and sharing the gospel with anyone willing to listen. We hope you have your Bible and are ready to dive into studying God's amazing book. Genesis 9.5 says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. God is establishing capital punishment here. Before the flood, there wasn't capital punishment. In fact, Cain was banished. He was not killed by God for killing his brother. But before the flood, what was so evident was without capital punishment, violence filled the earth. The Bible says over and over, not just uh, once, but twice, I think even three times, the earth was filled with violence. This, I believe, is why God established capital punishment. He did it to stem back violence. God doesn't want to kill people. He does it when it has to happen. He does it, you'll see later, when he has to judge a nation. He does kill. And capital punishment actually saves lives. When somebody kills somebody else and they are killed as a result, what does that do? It keeps somebody else from killing others. Or that person that killed somebody, and when he's not put to death, he can kill again. So capital punishment saves lives. Without it, violence grows and grows and grows. We see that in our own country, more and more violence as less and less capital punishment is dealt out. And if we would just follow God's command here, this is not some Old Testament law. This was government. God was establishing government here that When somebody kills somebody else, it is the duty of man then to kill that person. And God did this because he wanted less killing, not more. Now, notice this. This comes right after God is telling them that they can eat animals. So they can kill animals. But here he says, no, you cannot kill man. So why is that? Why is it okay to kill animals and not man? Some animal lovers, and I'm, I love animals, but some animal lovers would equate animal with men and women, with people, with humans. That is not the case. Why? It says right here, for in the image of God made he man. You see, animals are cute you know you have a little dog fluffy dog they're cute they're nice they are not though made in the image of god 
humans are above animals. And as much as I love animals and they're fun, you know, like you have a fun dog. We have a dog who's a lot of fun. And some people like cats. I'm not a big cat person, but some people love cats. And some people have little rodents, you know. They have these all these animals, birds, different things. They are not on the same level, though, as humans. And we have to be careful because sometimes we place so much importance on animals that we forget that they are not as important as mankind. If we're making a decision about animals that's going to hurt humans, that's a problem. For example, I know in some countries, they don't have enough food to eat. I could be misquoting this, but I believe in India, they don't eat cows because they, they worship them. They'll be starving people there in India, but the cows are fat and happy because they worship those animals. That is wrong. Animals should never be, be, be put above humans. Humans, mankind was made in the image of God, not animals. So we have to be very careful that our decisions are always made with what's best for humans first. That's not saying privately, oh, let's just run over, you know, these animals because I don't like them. No, no, no. But if man or child or woman, anybody, if they're going to be hurt or, or uh, not get food or something like that because animals are being put above them, that is wrong. Animals and men are very different from each other, and God makes that super clear right here. So judgment and uh, capital punishment is established because man is made in the image of God, and meat is established as something that we can and are allowed to eat. After this, God reminds them again, and you, he's saying, and you, Noah, in your family, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Have children. Have lots of children. As you know, we had four, and there's a lot. I have a lot of friends that have more, way more kids than I do. I felt like I could not handle having more than four, but I'm so thankful for the four that I have, and I'm thankful that God allowed me to have them, and that. We were able to multiply. Some ladies are not able to. They're unable to give birth. But if you're able to give birth to a child and you're saying, oh, no, I don't want to because I don't want to be inconvenienced, you're sinning against God. We should be fruitful and multiply. Then in verse 8, it says, And God spake unto Noah and his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So I want to pause before I continue. This is in the middle of a sentence, but I want to talk about a covenant. We've talked about that in the past, but I want to reiterate that a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is something that cannot be broken. And who is the one that is establishing this covenant? Is it Noah with God or God with Noah? It's God with Noah. So God is not going to break this covenant. A covenant cannot be broken. It is a promise that can't be annulled. You know, you you have people get married and then they have their marriages annulled. No, a covenant cannot be 
annulled. Now, what is this covenant that God is establishing? He says, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl and of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of the flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. I want to pause there and talk about this bow and this covenant. Covenant. This is an everlasting covenant. This cannot be broken. This bow, or we would call it a rainbow now, is for us to remember, to see that and remember God is not going to destroy mankind again. And notice, not just mankind. He says, I'm not going to destroy not only mankind, but this covenant is with the animals also. Every living creature, that God is not going to destroy them by a flood again. Now, what is this covenant? What is this promise? It's twofold. First of all, it is that flesh will not be completely destroyed by a flood again. Now, are, are there floods that happen, and do people die and animals die in a flood? Yes, we have hurricanes and tsunamis, but these are localized flood. God's saying, I will not destroy all flesh by a flood again. So the earth, every the whole earth cannot be destroyed by a flood again. So it's two-part. First of all, that flesh will not be completely destroyed by a flood. But then secondly, the flood waters will not destroy the earth again. Do you remember how we were saying it? God wiped clean that top layer of earth. And we know from when Noah got out, there was some stark trees obviously there because they came forth and they budded and there was branches that came out of the ground very quickly. But everything was destroyed. It wasn't just all a flood that lasted a couple days. No, this the waters were on the earth for a long, long time. And so God's saying, not only will I not kill man and beast, but I will not destroy the earth with a flood either. So that is the covenant. And the rainbow here is a picture of that covenant. Now notice that the Rainbow is not only for us to look at. This is a really interesting point here. It says in verse 16, And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember 
the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Who is talking here? This is God talking. God said in verse 12, and God said, this is a token. So this rainbow is not only for us, but it's for God. He looks and he sees that rainbow and he says, boy, things are really bad on earth. And I know I'm just using my own language there, but things are awful. This is terrible. I'm sure he sees men now, men and women using that rainbow in mockery at just despicable events where they walk around with no clothes on and and commit lewd acts in front of little children. God says those people need to be have a millstone stone hung around their neck and put into the deepest of the sea as they flaunt that rainbow. But God looks at the real rainbow and he says, I'm not going to destroy the earth again. I'm, I made that covenant. Although he does punish sin and he will punish those that are doing that. It's a reminder to God because it says here that I may remember. Now, again, God doesn't forget anything, but he sees that and he says, nope, there's that covenant. I am not going to destroy the earth again by flood. The rainbow is a picture of God's mercy. Do we deserve to be destroyed? Yes. Our our lives don't add up. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve his blessings. But that rainbow, when we see a rainbow, we need to thank God. Thank you, God, for your mercies. When, when we see the lost flaunting around a rainbow and, and say, saying it stands for something totally different, boy, our hearts should pray for them and ask God, to have mercy again so that they might be saved. God will judge them if they don't turn from their sin, but I know of ones, I know of several that lived horrible homosexual lifestyles, and they have been saved by God's wonderful grace, and they've rejected that lifestyle. You know, when they look at that rainbow now, I think they know, oh, that's a picture of God's mercy. All of us deserve judgment from God. But when we see that rainbow, may it remind us that God is merciful and full of loving kindness and favor that he shows every day upon us. Heavenly Father, may we be reminded over and over as we see your rainbow of your mercy. Lord, please forgive us for how we act here on this earth. Thank you that you have that rainbow in the sky. And as you look and see it, that you're reminded again of that covenant that cannot be broken. Oh, Lord, we praise you for being a God who does not break covenants, who does not change, and that you promise that you will not destroy the earth again by flood. Oh, thank you, God, for your many blessings and your goodness to us every day. Thank you for listening to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast. Please join Becky Dameron each weekday for a study through the Bible from a woman's perspective. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have any questions, please reach out to Becky through Come Magnify the Lord with Me 
Facebook page. Until next time, God be with you and may he greatly bless you as you continue to grow through following his word.